This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome back to Get Started Investing, a podcast where we answer the most common money and investing questions from our community. Now, if you have just joined us for the first time, a massive welcome. We strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, Good to be here for this episode. Uh, We are talking all things uh, investing. We're we're always talking all things investing. Uh, Emotions when it comes to investing and cognitive biases. We are. Now, this is off the back of a question that has come in from Ben. So we'll take a listen to that. But before we do, a reminder that while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal circumstances. So any information on this show is for entertainment and education purposes only. Any advice is general. But with that said, let's hear from Ben. You have one new message. Hey, Bryce and Ren. One thing I'd be curious about is when is it okay to let emotion drive your investing decisions? For example... My investing plan might say buy ETF X because it's my lowest holding right now and we want to keep things even. But then my other holding, ETF Y, is trading 10% down for whatever reason. My brain says stick to the plan, but my emotions tell me to buy the discounted ETF because everyone loves a sale, right? I suppose one answer to this is to automate everything and then I can't put myself in that position. But for the sake of this question, let's just say I'm with a broker that doesn't support automation and I don't want to change. That's probably been the biggest topic on my mind lately. And with the volatility of the market over the last 18 months, it's a question I've asked myself many times. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Nice. Thank you, Ben. Great question. So, I first of all want to make the point that, Ben, you asked, when is it okay to let your emotion drive your investing decisions? But then you gave an example, which... I would say is almost more rational than emotional still. Like you're asking, should I stick to my investment plan or buy another ETF because I think it's cheap? Thinking something is cheap and considering if it's an opportunity is a rational thought. You know, like when I think about emotional decisions, I think, you know, should I buy it because everyone else is buying it, which is like that herding, herd mentality. Or uh, should I buy it because I'm going to miss out, which is FOMO or, you know, I'm going to buy it because I heard Bryce talk about it on a podcast recently, which is, you know, availability, uh, the availability heuristic. It's like you just respond to most recent information. So, I think we should start by saying like, Ben, you're doing okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like if this is your consideration, you're doing well. Yeah. End of episode. (laughs) (laughs) But let's actually answer it now because I think uh, it's a fair question around what would you do in that situation of stick to your investment plan or buy because you think something's cheap and then let's have a broader discussion about emotions in investing and and how we manage them so what would you do if you were ben both (laughs) (laughs) what would you do if you were ben and you had finite resources and you could only do one if you see an opportunity in a stock that you have conviction in Okay, so the classic example of this actually is go and listen to yesterday's Equity Mates Investing podcast episode where you, Ren, Mate. talk about this from the point of view of 
a stock you've had on your watch list that we've spoken about that you've researched and and have have conviction in dropped 30 percent and so you took the opportunity to get into it yeah bought it for the first time so that is not emotion driving that decision that's you know thought and and a, a, a strategy behind it so in this instance if Ben feels like that there's an ETF that is, you know, has fallen to the point where he thinks there's an opportunity from a valuation point of view or whatever it might be, then I, I don't see that as as being driven by emotion. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the flip side is if you have finite resources, it's a recognizing that you should try and get back to your strategy as soon as you can. I think diverting away from your strategy for long periods of time is is dangerous because that's when you then start to put... I guess that's when emotion can start to have a bigger role when you don't have a strategy in place. But if you see an opportunity, there's nothing wrong with taking that outside of your investment strategy. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the the only thing I would add to that is just be careful about thinking a overall stock market index is cheap because it's fallen 10% or something. It's not quite the same as a stock where it's like one company where you can do a valuation exercise and say, here's what I think fair value is. It's a lot harder and a lot more subjective to say, here's what I think fair value is for our overall stock market index. Yeah. Um, and so just because something's fallen 10% doesn't mean it's cheap and it will sort of revert to the mean or anything like that in the same sense that it does when you're talking about an individual stock that you're valuing and... Um, so I think for me, the way I would approach that personally is stick to my investment plan because when I'm investing for my core portfolio, I'm just, and I'm buying like large market tracking indexes like the ASX 200 or the S&P 500, I'm not really thinking about like the price and is it a bargain or is it overvalued? Like for me, the most important thing is consistency and just dollar cost averaging in regardless of the price but if you do have a view that an overall stock market is cheap and you've done the thinking and the work and it's not like an emotional like buy because it's fallen but it's like i think there's an opportunity here you should take your opportunities if you see them Hmm. but otherwise stick to your plan and as bryce said get back to your plan as soon as possible because you would have put thought into the plan Hmm. and as like there was reason behind the plan. Mm. Yeah. I think to the second part of the question, which is, is it okay to let emotions drive your investing? Yeah. Is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair. No. I think the fact that you're recognizing this as a question is a really good sign. And I think deep down, you you probably know the answer. Yeah. I think no is the answer. Is it easy to do? No is the answer. Is Is it easier? Sorry, sorry. Is it easy to do? Yes is the answer. Like it's easy to let emotions control your investment. Sorry, yeah. Is it easy to invest without emotion? No. Does it become easier when you have a strategy in place? Yes. And I think for me, the learning over the last five years of doing this podcast is A, almost all professional investors have a framework and a strategy that they play in so that they don't allow... uh, emotions to take control yeah and yet most of them still get caught up by emotions (laughs) see uh nvidia and novo nordisk this year as two classic examples yes the second part to that is that an i used to think an investing strategy was um you know involved levels of 
valuation and spending hours doing research. Um, but an investment strategy can be as simple as what we've spoken about time and time again on this show, which is just plugging away at a core portfolio of ETFs. Not only, not only can it be, it is. but for most people, it should be. Mm. Like the, for most people, most of the time, you shouldn't really need anything other than a core portfolio. And if you disagree with me on that, we wrote a book about that. We did. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is most professionals struggle to outperform the overall stock market over a long period of time. And, you know, a lot of their people that have put money in their funds would have been better off just doing a core index portfolio. Mm. So, look, I, I think to answer the question, try not to let emotions drive your investing. It's easier said than done. But Ben, you recognize some of the key ways you could do it. Automating it, signing up with a broker that lets you automate is a great step. And then if you see, if you think you see an opportunity, don't feel like that is being emotional as long as you stop and think and you're like, is this actually an opportunity? I was just going to say on the resources piece and not going off your strategy, say you have a hundred bucks a fortnight to invest and you want to put that into a core portfolio, but you know you're also going to be interested in taking opportunities as they come once a month, whatever it may be. You don't actually want to invest the full hundred. You want to make sure that you're investing 95 of it so that you've got that little pool on the side that you can take opportunities with. Otherwise, you're going to find that you will divert from your overall strategy, which is taking that full hundred and plugging it in somewhere else, and then you're off track. That's at least how I do it. Yeah, I mean, whatever works for you. Because otherwise, you'll never have a pool of cash on the side. Well, let's put a pin in this conversation because let's take a quick break. And then after the break, I want to talk about how what emotions we suffer from and how we try and control our emotions when investing. So you've just given us one there. Let's take a break and then talk about some more. Welcome back to Get Started Investing. Today, we are talking all things emotions when it comes to investing, cognitive biases you may have heard them referred to as all the tricks our brains play on us to stop us being perfectly rational consumers and investors. Before the break, we answered a question from Ben about when is it okay to let your emotions drive your decision making. Bryce bluntly said never. So we'll move on to the second part, which is when do emotions affect our decision making as investors? So Bryce, what do you suffer from? The biggest one I reckon at the moment is choice paralysis. Okay, explain that. So outside of the core, there are a lot of opportunities and a finite amount of resources I have to deploy into those opportunities. And so when it comes to choosing which one to invest in or deploy, I often find myself not making an active decision because I'm overwhelmed with the choice in front of me. Yeah. And so I end up then not doing anything. And that's what I think, you know, when you really do get your automated core piece up and running, it's good to have that there because it really helps with choice paralysis. But that's one that I find at the moment is we have so many opportunities come to us through the podcast and through what we're doing. It's just kind of like, which one? Yeah. 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 That, that, that's one for me. What about you, Ren? So a couple for me, I think I am a big sucker for confirmation bias. So that's where... I'll form a view and then I will overweight information that supports that view and underweight information that disproves that view. 
and so that will just lead me to hold on to stocks that I was perhaps wrong about for too long. So that's a big one. Another one that I find, uh, there's a cognitive bias called the availability heuristic, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's it's really where like you overestimate or overweight information because it's more available or you've seen it more recently or you see it more often. And I think that's a classic one in this podcast in this like really privileged situation we're in where we get to speak to all these experts and if i hear a couple of experts mention a stock like very quickly that'll go to the top of my watch list and it'll be the stock that i'm thinking about rather than being like what what is everything that's available yeah 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 yeah. so and like for me i find it really hard just because there's so much information and so many companies out there which you mentioned there before around choice paralysis but I don't think I get paralyzed. I think I just like don't act rationally and just jump into things. And yeah, yeah well, I, I think that's what they're combined for me. Like the choice paralysis comes from the whole like don't just act, yeah, ira- don't yeah, just yeah, yeah. act irrationally yeah. and start throwing money into things. Yeah. And, so, and then I'm like, whoa, I haven't done enough thinking about these opportunities, and I've been burnt in the past by doing the irrational thinking and just throwing money in. Yeah. And so then I'm like, well, far out. Let's just. Let's just get back to the core. Yeah. I think one that I've been very good at recently is is avoiding loss aversion. Okay, explain. It, which is the feeling that you're you're down and the feeling of realizing that loss is more than the feeling of of it going back up and, and winning it and it going up. And so you you hold on to something that is is at a loss because you don't want to feel like you've made that loss. Yeah, and like the classic example or the behavior that comes out of that is people will lose money on a stock and be like i'm oh, gonna i'm gonna sell as soon as it gets as soon back as it to, hits a dollar yeah i'll sell then i'll, I'll sell, sell then. i'll sell yeah. and it may never do that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so i used to have that but now having done this show for a number of years i'm fully aware of it and i'm i think i've got it out of my system where it's just like a loss is a loss that money can go to use elsewhere my thesis is broken it's let's just get out yeah yeah so that's good. So I guess, uh, how? What are some of the strategies you put in place to take your emotions out of investing? Well, the obvious one is automating the investment process for eighty percent of my portfolio, so that I don't have to touch a single thing, and I don't have to think about when money is getting invested. Yeah, I think if you're not thinking about it, you're not letting your emotions get in the way yeah. of things. And we've spoken about this on the show and we've written about it in the book on how you can actually execute it. We've literally written the book on it. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think that takes away a huge amount of emotional stress and pressure from you, your You can from almost say you don't stress and you just you invest. Could, yes. <laughs> and then I think on the flip side is just being very conscious of what I'm affected by. As I just said, like loss aversion, I'm conscious of that, that that's a thing for me. And so I, every time I come to make a, a decision, I try and actively think, what am I likely to be susceptible to here and force myself to make a decision against that? Yeah. I imagine you would be similar. Yeah, I think two things for me. Uh, the first one is around the media and the news that I consume. Like so much of business news and I guess just news generally is optimized for an emotional response because that drives clicks, views, downloads. I mean, we're in the digital media game, so who am I to talk, I guess? But what I found personally is consuming less has been really great and being like quite deliberate about the stuff that you do consume, focusing on high quality and long-term 
sources of information and podcasts I think are pretty great for that and getting away from a lot of the more like day-to-day noisy stuff has just been really valuable in taking the emotion out of the day-to-day noise and feeling compelled to do something or to sell something buy something whatever it is and just being really um, clearer in my thinking like less is more I think when it comes to investing it also means it gives me more space to consume other topics of interest midweek afl podcasts and the like so that's one footy class yes yes (laughs) the second one is uh i think the greatest superpower when it comes to investing is being lazy because there is nothing that will dull your emotional response that you you've got to do something than just an overriding laziness and i am quite lazy and so I'm not checking my portfolio heaps or um, anything like that. I've got like, especially when it comes to my core portfolio of ETFs, it's automated. I don't check it often and it just ticks away in the background. I get a text every fortnight that uh, the money that has been, in- money's been invested and I get on with my day. And then when it comes to my satellite investments, you know, like the individual stocks that I'm buying, just the fact that I, I don't feel this need to like always be doing something and I just embrace the fact that being lazy is okay. It just means that like my pace of investing isn't as fast. So I think there's a real power in like sort of resisting the, the share market is constantly updating you with new information in terms of like a changing price and there's all this content that's created around like the day-to-day movements and that that content is all designed to heighten emotions and get you to click and download an act and like the more that you can just remove yourself from that and being lazy is a great way to do that i think it's just like it's the being the best thing to to manage your investing emotions yeah i think being lazy is good if you have a plan and a strategy yeah, being don't la- take that being as lazy being lazy. Is, being lazy is terrible if you like don't get started. If you because don't do you're anything. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe being lazy is it's, the wrong word, but it's... Yeah, it's not like being overactive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for the question uh, that has come in from Ben. We really appreciate it. As we said at the top of the episode, this uh, podcast is all about answering money and investing questions from our community. So keep them coming in if you'd like to ask a question, uh, send us one at contact at equitymates.com or we're available on all of the social media channels. Now, um, we also have a Get Started Investing newsletter that is available. We send it out each week and it has plenty of tips for you if you're just getting started on your investing journey. So make sure you're subscribed. We'll put a link in the show notes as well for you to subscribe if you're not already. But as always, thank you for your support. And Ren, we will leave it there and pick it up next week. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if If you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.